right in front of him. Crowder looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show for Monday, July 10th. I am Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. If you have not already, please follow and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Hit that subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. Five-star reviews only. Hit that notification bell. Do all the stuff to support the show. A big Victor Wembenyamba show today. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Greg Popovich's extension. We're going to talk about more a ton of Summer League Amen Thompson, Scoot Henderson. Brendan is going to have some too good for Summer League All-Stars that I'm very excited to dive into. And we're going to talk about the Jante Murray's extension and where the Atlanta Hawks are at. And uh, very quickly at the end, I think we might touch on some some prep stuff. Some teenagers. Uh, just in, with a guy. Some teenagers. One whom is the son of an NBA player who allegedly once lied to a blind man. And the other one who has the name of a cowboy, and I really enjoyed the guy with the name of with the name of a cowboy. That's Cooper Flag. Very San Antonio centric today Brennan, too, let's... between Dejounte, former Spur, and then these two guys who are the future of the team. Brendan, here's the thing: at the Just Basketball Show, we we cover everything. You know, we we did have a, a thing at the beginning of our show where we talked about privately how we weren't going to just focus on the Lakers. We obviously did spend a lot of time in the Lakers because they did stuff that mattered. But uh, you know what? San Antonio, we're gonna we're gonna dive in. We're gonna try to. I, I we should probably at some point ref- look at our list and see who and who and who we have talked about in detail and who we haven't. But like we did a Wizards deep dive. Like we're we're in this. For, no, we're for covering realsies. our bases. Yeah, San Antonio is the basketball capital of the world right now. Honestly, I mean, they sold out this janky Vegas arena twice to watch this dude. So I mean, us and everybody else paying attention to the Spurs. I don't know if we can take got, credit on they, on this particular got, weekend. I, I mean, I will. Uh, they got Kareem yeah. to go to Victor Wembanyama. And they did the panel game. together. I, I, would have paid, Kareem... I would have paid more to do the, to watch the panel than the game, if I'm being honest with you. Unless they had yes. gotten Kareem uh, to Brennan, play. Let's actually, I wanna... Then I would have paid more for the game. Well, I I would have been a little worried about that. Brendan, I want to ask you this. Aside from the, the Vic stuff, which I obviously think is a big case of summer, fo- summer league FOMO, are you feeling summer league FOMO just in general? Um, I have not been since you and I went in 2021, yeah. and we hung out and like I, that's the last and only time that I, I've been to summer league. Um, I do have my hat on from that that trip um, in solidarity or in honor of that, I guess, and just you know, talking about summer league. But are are do you have summer league FOMO? Like, let's take Vic yeah. out of it because he is not seeing him in itself is in this environment is FOMO. Do you have FOMO with just like not being at Summer League? I right don't, uh, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I live like four and a half hours from Las Vegas and I've been there way too many times in the five years since I turned 21. So not even really related to like, that's not me trying to like humble brag how much I, you know, drink myself into a, a stupor. That's legit just for sports stuff and some concerts and whatnot. But I've been there like 10 times in five years. So no. Uh, I'm I'm not missing it for that reason. And I'm planning to go back not that uh, far into the future because Ignite is doing some cool stuff with uh, Australian teams and they have they might have like the number one and number two overall pick this year and they're in Henderson, Nevada. So I will be there before long. Um, But no, I mean, this was a great summer league. This has been a great summer league. I think a lot of guys that went back for year two, a lot of teams that feel like including this Portland team we're about to talk about 
where it's like legit half mm-hmm. their starting lineup is just in Vegas. Houston's that way. Detroit is kind of that way. The Pacers are kind of that way. So more real like stuff to be learned this year than I think in a while, at least in, in, in my recollection. But yeah, none more so than, than the NBA debut of Vic, not Wemby. Yes. I do have a little bit of FOMO. I'm not even a Vegas person. Um, I was texting with our, our friend Martin Rickman and just you we were talking about some Cavs stuff because he's he's from Cleveland and there's like a lot of Cavsy things I think you could actually dive into there that would have been cool and there's like no one there um from that beat right now. So I think that that would have been a really cool experience and just it's good to just like see people in that space and be social and just get to like do something that very basketball centric in the summer. I also just Brendan really like the like like the part of summer league where you go to a gym and you just kind of don't yeah. leave there for a while and you just watch a ton oh, yeah. of games. I just that that it that to me is just like a great way to spend some time. That like I don't think I I didn't gamble at all when we were there because I'm just I just it stresses me out too much. Um I just am not like wired. We did in watch that way and like, uh, somebody, recent you know, I don't even know. just basketball show guest Bill DiFilippo gets slaughtered at a at a blackjack table. So uh along with two of our other friends who I'm not going to name because they've not the pod yet but um and they i think got slaughtered a little bit more that that night from from my recollection um you know i hung out with jackson frank you know like you know met uh rafael barlow adam Mares, who was on who's been in the show like it's fun to just like go and like chat with people um and like the you see people and it it, it i will say if you are an nba fan i think it is worth going at least oh, yeah. once no I'm, right. I mean, I'm planning to be back I, next I, year. So this is not me being like, oh, no, I'm good on right. Summer League. Like, forget it. It's it's I've had enough. So where where Brandon, where where are we staying? Is I guess my question. Uh, I mean, all the dime folks we just mentioned would tell you that the formerly uh, Bally's, which I think has a new name, the Horseshoe, that that's the best deal in town. So mm. probably there. I did an Airbnb once that's and right. I started right. I stayed in a spare room. That was like my first year going when I really was trying to do it on a budget i drove from phoenix and i uh and i did an airbnb and it was kind of off the strip it allowed me to see vegas nothing special but i did see the the real city uh and i stayed in a a nice couple's bedroom spare spare room and their cat uh hung out with me for more time than i would have liked okay so those one of those two out on that would be probably what happens Um, here I'm out on that. Maybe what I should do one year is just is just take some vacation from work and do a summer league driving trip where I'll like go to Utah and I'll go to Vegas and then I'll just regret it immediately because driving that much. I already regretting talking. Yeah, you about know it. how far apart just, things are out here. I feel it. like you'd be in for a, a rude awakening. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to our nation's capital in the, the month via car, and that's like a six hour drive for me. And I'm yeah, that like, doesn't even that gets you to San Diego from Phoenix, and that's like the closest city to us. So, <laughs> yeah, hometown, hometown, hometown of uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. yeah, that gets you like uh, almost to f- LA from from Phoenix. So it's yeah, it's well, different. Well, I'll be spirit red eye flights for me next summer. We'll stay at at Bali and uh, perfect. I'll, you maybe you can join me what I, what what I will do on day three, which is do what I did last time and go to a bookstore for two hours just to like decompress and and get a green smoothie and like make my body yeah, feel okay. That's what you need more more than like three or four yeah. days in Vegas. Right. Is a problem. It's a huge problem. All right. Uh, speaking of people that are a problem, great segue for me. Victor Wembanyama, Brennan. Game two for him was so much better than game one. Dare I say? 
Uh, he finishes game two, a game the Spurs lost, but like who cares about when it's wins and lessons and some really losses don't really matter. Uh, frankly, I think everyone in some degree wants to like lose and go home and not be in Vegas for like 10 days. That, that, that's the thing. If you talk to NBA people, Vic plays 26, just under 27 minutes, nine of 14 from the field, two of four from three, including a late one that, that got this game within one, seven of 12 from the line, 12 boards, including four in the offensive glass, had three blocks and a steal 27 points, a team high 27 points for, for Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. um, Brendan, he, he was awesome in this game. A ton of fun. He looked just a little more comfortable the second time through. Obviously, we didn't get the Scoot showdown. We'll talk about Scoot later. But Vic was absolutely awesome in, in this second summer league game for him. Yeah, he was much more comfortable. I think that's the right word. I mean, I think the most indicative kind of moment was he had a little bit of a hot stretch in that fourth quarter, kind of midway through the fourth quarter. And... There were a couple of possessions where the Spurs bring it down and you just can tell the panic that he was inducing in Portland. And they're just sending, I mean, Baji, the dude that they have is pretty close to as big as, as Vic, but he wasn't out there a ton, only played 19 minutes. And any of the other moments, it was just like immediate double teams. Like they were just petrified of the dude uh, around the basket. And honestly, if the Spurs guards had gotten him the ball a little bit more, we might have even seen like a real scoring performance. I mean, 27 is is obviously great, but it, it could have been a lot more because he just had advantages. And it just I think it was a nice reminder of how easy the game can come because he had a nice passing game in the first game. And he's he's always going to make plays defensively around the rim. So like you already could. I mean, even in a bad game when all the Internet wanted to make him into a bust and be be stupid like you could still see the natural ability. And then in this one, you're like, okay, if he can just make even a couple plays a game, he's going to produce and open things up for his teammates and just kind of show you the effortlessness that's there when you're fluid and 7-3. He, you know, Brennan, through the two games, the thing that I think has popped the most, in my opinion, is some is a lot of the defensive work. It has been a lot of the defensive poise and defensive awareness and the, his ability to, to just kind of not totally snuff things out, but really control the defensive side of the floor just by his presence. Even if he's not always like maybe going as hard as he might in the regular season or boxing guys out all the time, his presence is is a real deterrent. We can already see that that is happening, right? This was the game where it's like, oh, right, he has an offensive skill set as well. Like it's not just you know, like he didn't uh, the the offensive play that I might think more about anything else was the uh, an offensive rebound he had. Um, he tipped the ball back up to himself and planted for like half a second and went back up and and puts it in. And it's just like it looked like a video game glitch the way he moved because he didn't even have to get off the ground that high, yeah. right? Um, he does things that are abnormal. And then when I don't know how you felt when he took that three late in this game. He gets all the space, and I just—it was one of those moments where you look like there's no yeah. way this isn't going. I literally there's, said it out loud to th- myself. This, th- I said, "Oh, he got one!" Like yeah. I kind of like muttered it to myself. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, of course," because you could just—and that's the thing. Like he's—he told us after the first game, he didn't. He literally said, "I didn't know what was going on." You know what I mean? And like I—that that actually kind of surprised me to hear because I—I I watched a lot of the at least the playoff games, not fully, you know, minute one to the end, but I—I I, I tuned into many of the playoff games that they played in the, in the French league. And 
I didn't really feel like this would be that much of a shock to him, but I do think that there's a speed element that's not there in European basketball and just the athletic kind of like overpowering ability that even like a, a decent or fringe NBA player is going to have, but he definitely settled in. And that three was, was a perfect example of it. The dude also can just finish with both hands. Like is he LeBron James or, you know, like the, the ambidextrousness, I know like Anthony Edwards is one guy that they say that about, but it makes a huge difference, especially when you're already getting your shot off above anybody. I mean, he's not going to shoot a jumper left-handed, but in the post, like, He's just dropping shots in over everybody's head off the glass with either hand. And it's like, that just feels like a cheat code. He, he is just a walking cheat code with this frame, with the know-how, with the comfort. You know, I look, we, I think the, the big miss here is that we don't get him in scoot. That That's the thing I think we all would have liked to see. And obviously their, their G league and, and Mets 92 showdown was, was a ton of fun and scoot really went at him. Um, you know the you know the the ring the kind of what happened here especially with Shaden Sharp kind of not really playing particularly he was, well he was weirdly you know, bad like it was one of those things where it was like yeah just never watch a single minute of film from this dude because you're he's missing layups so is like are you saying he uh, is not going to be on your too good for summer league he 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 was a fringe stars. guy he was playing for his spot on the team in this game and just blew it. Mm tough so look he he is in Vic is in the spot where I think we're gonna just continue to think be wild by him I think a reoccurring thing on the show the whole 2023-24 NBA season the rest of summer league however many games he plays and is still there is gonna be did you see what Victor Wembenyama did this week every he is gonna be must see in this way but it, it was so impressive to me be more than anything else about how just one game it took him one game just to kind of look really comfortable and and look really just kind of like he knew that he belonged in this environment it wasn't going to feel weird about being yeah and credit to the the spurs staff too because i do think um he did he was like physically in no man's land during a lot of that first game you know like kind of in the dunker spot but kind of not am i supposed to get the ball for a dribble handoff or am i actually just in everybody's way you know what i mean and then in this game especially in that fourth Mm -hmm. quarter they were spacing him out to the to the corner to start a lot of possessions. And then he would either duck in for a post-up or he would come off of a screen because he's a an alien uh, or he would just stay spotting up. And, and that's kind of how he got that opportunity for the three. So them just sort of simplifying what he was physically, where he was and what ways he was getting involved offensively, I do think went a long way. And, you know, the, the GM did an interview on Friday and he was talking about just being pretty patient and learning from Victor. Like, you know what I mean? What what is what is his adjustment period to the NBA going to teach us about what we need to do in return to support him? And I think like that's why they're playing him this week because I didn't think he would play. I didn't think he would play a minute yeah. this weekend, but I think it's been really valuable. And uh, my last note on it was just the Friday game. You know, a lot of people were like, wow, like he can't handle Kai Jones's athleticism. And I'm like, I'm not even positive Kai Jones is an NBA player at this point. I think it was less about that. And it was more about the help and them crowding him and him just having the ball in his hands too much. But I do think that's going to be an adjustment period that he has in the league is bigger forwards, especially if they play him at the four in those finals in France, uh, Jaron Duran Blossom game, who people might remember, I think he went to Syracuse, uh, 
Uh, uh, Jerron Blossom game went to okay, Clemson. Clemson. Orange. I, I, I got him. <laughs> I and, had the color. Yeah, I, I only know this. Be, I, I only know this because uh, he played for the okay. Cavaliers. And so he, but he, he was, he was handing it to Victor in those finals, like physically, like not every every possession, but there were moments where you're like, hold on, how is this happening? But it's, it's, it is that frame and it is the strength, and that's going to be an adjustment, especially if he's playing the four. So. I don't think it was Kai Jones. I think it was the hands and bodies in his way. Anytime that he had the ball in his hands and the, even the Hornets who have sucked all week, they've been awful. Even they could just kind of get in his head and get in his way because it's different than it was when, you know, he's bigger than everybody in France and everything. So it's going to be fun to keep watching. I'm, I'm going to love the adjustment period. Cause again, it can be so easy for him when he gets it rolling. Brennan, quick drawn boss game <laughs> okay. trivia question. Do you know what do you know do you know what G League team he started out with? And is well, I got his group? college wrong, and I think that was probably a little more prominent in my memory, so no. Well, but the, the there's a there, there's a there, no, think about uh, why would I ask this in relation to Victor Wembanyama? You're gonna have to give it to me. It's the Austin Spurs. Oh, he played for the Austin that's Spurs. Perfect. He was a he was picked by the Spurs late in the twenty seventeen draft. And he started his NBA career for a season with the the Austin Spurs, with the Austin Spurs. He made it all NBA G League thirteen per his weekend. So this is a great segue, actually, because speaking of all the tentacles of the Spurs that reach across the league, <laughs> um, Greg Popovich signed this extension: five years, eighty million dollars. Yeah, and I feel like talking about the future of Pop. I always get a kick, and maybe it's not uh, the most exciting thing to everybody, but the coaching tree that this dude now has, you actually kind of have to, like, it fluctuates year to year because there's so many coaches now that some of them just get fired and come back and get fired and come back. But right now, Monty Williams, Steve Kerr, Jacques Vaughn, Becky Hammond, Pro coach, not an NBA coach, obviously. Mike Brown, Will Hardy, plus Bud, who just got fired. But then now there's a whole Bud tree, so it's almost like another branch of the pop tree, which is Quinn Snyder, Darvin Ham, and Taylor Jenkins. That's nine coaches plus Bud to get you to 10. And I would assume Bud will not go very long without a job. You could also include Ime Udoka if you want to. He kind of bounced around, but he definitely, I would actually count him. So that's that gets us to 11. Yeah, I would too. More than a third of the NBA can attribute their coaching roots to this one dude. And I almost kind of think about it when I'm zooming out and looking at this extension as like, it's an indication that you're never going to leave at the right time because the successor is never going to be perfect. And people are just going to have to continue their careers. And I think that, that that has to have factored in for him to just kind of look at it and be like, this is going to be a crapshoot when I leave. So why not never leave? <laughs> yeah. Um, Brennan, do we want to talk about the the practicality of some of this first? Or do you want me to go into my meta, like the, this like meta kind of comparison I want to make? What would you I mean, the only me practicality point I think that there is to make is just what Woj said, right? I mean, that... Yeah. And I think you and I were texting about this kind of at the same time that other people started to, to discuss it on Twitter and then Woj just sort of reported it, which is he's also the president of, of basketball ops here on the team. And so, like, this extension doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be coaching. He's already coached longer than almost any professional sports coach ever has at age 74. But this doesn't mean he's going to be at the, on the sideline till he's 79. 
I think it very well could just mean he he becomes the Pat Riley at the end of this, you know, and just oversees the whole operation. I, I hope for his sake, he's not traveling the country coaching basketball when he's almost 80 years old. Like he's, he's got to take it easy at some point. Yeah, this is, he's been coaching forever at this point. Um, like longer than I, I wonder if he went back into the late nineties, go back to 90. If wonder if he went back to 94 when he, t- when he t- returned to San Antonio, um, as their GM and VP of basketball ops after when the when the Holt family bought the team. I wonder if he would be like, I, I'm going to be coaching the Spurs and when? How long in the future? Like, I wonder if you went back and like asked him what he thought about that, what he would say. Um, it's It's been obviously a long ride. The, the rewarding on that Woj thing was kind of interesting because it said it is possible his new deal still allows him to. I'm like, okay, like, like, the answer is Greg Popovich could like do, kind of do whatever. Yeah, do we really think San like Antonio, San Antonio is going to be like, no, your contract's void if you want to not coach anymore. Sorry, hit the road, Jack. It's over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here, here's where I went with this, and my brain is broken, and I, I'm going to readily admit this. But in the first person I thought of in relation to Pop was Martin Scorsese. Here's why. Scorsese is has a film coming out this fall. Killers of the Flower Moon, very excited. And he's he gave these he gave interviews and gave a lot of quotes around the Cannes Film Festival where that movie debuted. And he's kind of like really grappling with his mortality. Now he's like he's nine years older than Greg Popovich. Martin Scorsese is 83 years old. Pop 74. That is there is a difference there, obviously. But he gave this quote and like he will I don't we will never get anything from Pop that is as introspective into where his brain is at. And I I look I I don't Pop can do whatever he wants. But this is what Scorsese says is from uh, Vanity Fair. I'm old. I read stuff. I see things. I want to tell stories and there's no more time. Kurosawa, when he got his Oscar, when when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg gave it to him, he said, I'm the only I'm only now beginning to see the possibility of what cinema could be, and it's too late. He was eighty three at the time. I said, what is that now? Now I know what he means. So Scorsese, I'm going to correct his age. I messed that up. Scorsese is... He's about 80. He's, he's yeah. 80 years old. He, he is exactly 80 years old. Not 83, but Kurosawa was 83. He's been making movies like back to the 70s and stuff. Like He, he, he was born during World War II, right? This is an older, older guy. Where the pop thing, came, where this my brain went was, I wonder, and again, I don't think pop will ever come out and tell us this or what he's thinking. But I wonder if he is just like, he's been around for like multiple evolutions of the game of basketball. And now this seven, three and a half, he's not taller than that. No matter what anyone will tell you, Alien is now playing for his team. And he's like, okay, I'm starting to understand that basketball can like become this other thing. That is probably really motivating to him to some degree. That's why he's sticking around. And he's probably just in his, like, look, his, like, his wife died a couple years ago. His children are older. I we don't really know a ton about his personal life. That's not something he's obviously gone out of his way to be like, yeah, this is this is what's up. This is what I want. This is what like all that stuff, whatever. But he's in this like place in his life where like I feel like he is so clearly like grappling and and engaged with and processing the modern game of basketball. Um, smarter people than you know than me could probably go through and tell you how his offensive stuff, offensive schemes, his defensive schemes, all that stuff has evolved. Since the the last finals run they they had a couple of years ago when when they went up against Miami and now he gets Victor Wembanyama on his team and a bunch of other young guys I'm sure there's something about this that is just 
motivating them considering where he's at in his life and, and what his life is like now. I, I don't know that to be true, but that hit that comp to me, Brennan, just popped into my brain when we started when we were sort of reading about this and, and thinking about it. No, I think it's I think that must be part of it. I mean, it would have to be. I mean, even to stick it out through this point in the rebuild to get to get to this year, he he must have had uh, some sort of energizing force behind him of getting to work with young guys again and just sort of imagine. I mean, they like even watching Malachi Branham and 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 Blake Wesley in this game. Those guys don't play like Spurs, you know, like the the old way we would have thought of that, you know, like Branham's chucking shots every time he gets the ball, you know, and and a lot of these guys are very different types of players than we would have associated with this team. Even Jeremy Sohan is we used to think like if you're going to be a spur, you have to you're either a big or you can shoot and that those are your options. Jeremy Sohan is is none of those things. And I feel like another part of this must be the culmination of kind of the the, the globalization of all of this, right? Like the ability to Jeremy Sohan is is Polish, but obviously Victor Wimbanyama is is French and that must be awesome, you know, to kind of be the like trailblazer, no pun intended, of bringing European thinking into the game and then to kind of get to see like you even just think it in, in like a cyclical way, like would Victor Wimbanyama even have ended up what he is if the Spurs hadn't open minds and open doors for people like that. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of, it, it's, it's sort of like the brainchild of, of what pop's career has been. If you, if you really want to get that deep with it. So I would imagine that that's a huge part of, of why he wants to continue to see this through. And I, look, I, I love that we're getting, I love that we're going to get pop in this setting. I love that we're going to get to see pop Moldvik. That's going to be, that's really cool. From a historical standpoint, we're going to get to see Greg Popovich, who coached Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and Boris Diaw and, you know, a litany of other, Kawhi Leonard. He's going to get to coach Victor Wembanyama. And, like, it's been really cool also just to see, like, how how Vic has had dinner with Tim Duncan and David Robinson and, like, these spur, like this organization has really embraced him and Pop's at the head of that. Pops at the head of that table. That it's just, it is really cool. And again, I don't think we're ever going to get a Greg Popovich thing where he explains what's exactly going on in his mind or what he's thinking emotionally or what he's feeling about all of this. He's more likely to just tell you you're an idiot and and tell your questions dumb than he is to like give you. Have like you ever a, asked Pop a question? In the way he kind of Scorsese did once, uh, and he gave me a very curt answer. He didn't embarrass That's brave. me, which was what nice, you asked him. Made me feel okay about myself. Don't remember. I just remember it went well. Brennan, I had a slight panic attack. Yeah, that's just question. like, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't cover the Spurs, so you didn't like have to do that. He, this this was like, it was during the, Le, I'm sure it was during the LeBron last, maybe the last LeBron year. And I just like offered up a soft, I'm sure it was a LeBron softball. I'm sure it was just like something that he could kind of swat away, but wouldn't be like somebody who I won't name because I don't want to make them feel bad because everybody's gotten in the, uh, the 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 war path of a of a pop curt answer if not worse than a curt answer but a suns media member this past season was asking about because booker and durant had played in the olympics under pop in tokyo two years ago 
and accidentally included LeBron as one of the people that Pop got to work with through Team USA. And Pop disregarded the entirety of the question and said LeBron wasn't there. So. Got to get your facts, you know, ducks in a row with that guy. Yeah, but I know? mean, so I I am going to be fascinated to to to, I guess, explain why I did the coaching tree thing, just to see who takes this thing over. Because I, I don't know, not to be like, oh, make this into a negative thing a little bit, but like, it's probably not going to be Brett Brown. Probably shouldn't, shouldn't be Brett Brown. Who, who, he, he is like a fine coach. Yeah. But I don't know if like, he's also he not is, like the youngest like, I think there's, person. And I, I tend to think that they'll probably look for somebody in their, you know, 30s or 40s to, Trend like Spolstra, right? I mean, maybe I'm just kind of thinking of it too one to one with the Heat situation. But will one of these coaching tree people come back to San Antonio? Will will it be an assistant well, the, that's I on mean, the team they're... now? I, that, I'm I'm just kind of fascinated because of how many people have come and gone that didn't get it. It's like I put this in my notes that it's like the the overly benevolent spinoff of Succession that HBO would never greenlight. Like, it's just a nice, like, very beautiful, like, wine dinners every week type of version of that show. But what do you think happens? Do you think somebody comes back to San Antonio or do you think it's somebody in waiting already? I feel like I I, I, I have no idea. I don't have, like, a good guess at this because, like, the name I would have guessed for a long time was Quinn Snyder. Mm. Um, there had been reporting, you know, Mark Stein had yeah. reported that the Spurs were seeing Snyder as a suitable replacement. And that, you know, he more and more, uh, I hear Snyder's name as a potential successor that the Spurs would naturally relish. He resigned last year. I, I thought some, there was, I think, some thought that, like, this might be the pop. I wonder if year. Snyder and thought that and then and, took the Hawks job because he was like, okay, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder that. And, but that's the one because that to me is a, a guy who I think you could have be in that job for like another 20 years. I think he's one of the best five coaches we have in the NBA. Um, I, I think, I think the world of Quinn Snyder and that's, that's a level above, you know, Brett Brown or some of these other guys are, I mean, like, I, I think the the real thing, Brendan, is that whoever does do it, it's going to just feel weird. It could be Quinn, if it had been Quinn Snyder, it would have felt yeah. weird, right? Like it's just gonna, it's when, when someday Eric Spolster doesn't coach the Miami Heat and someone whose name right now we probably don't even know, like takes that job, that's going to feel weird too. All this just is going to feel weird because it's like the one it's these are the two organizations that don't like change coaches or like or and have it are like actually institutions that like matter in a substantial way in that sense. Right. Um, Snyder's the one, though, that if I was the Spurs out, that's the one where it, it's a little. Unclear. I'll just throw out a random um, guess just there's to not like, just to be yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. for the sake of conversation. Will Hardy. He was there for like six years. And it seems like so, he's a pretty you, awesome. What are you coach. doing to get him out of Utah? But what You're are you gonna, doing to get him out of Utah, pick, brother? Hey, do you want to replace Pop and get paid a ton but, of money and coach Victor Wembanyama, or do you want to keep doing your thing over there with Danny and Lowry Markkinen? Well, Danny did seemingly like recruit well, great. him. Great. Uh, I mean, Danny Utah. recruited him to Boston too. But I'm just saying, if you're picking between the Jazz and the Spurs, I think you're probably picking the Spurs. If they if they made that type of offer yeah, to you I, to say, hey, you're the guy, it's you. And yeah, and then you just do some assistance. Um, I'll I'll give a just name for the sake of giving a name. I'll just say Becky Hammond. 
I had my Becky Hammond rant at the end of last episode, so we'll 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 just leave it there. It we'll bet rant. a beer on it in like five years when this actually happens. Uh, we'll 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 decide. And, uh, and when it uh, and when it doesn't, when neither of our guesses are when correct, it's like then uh, Mitch Johnson, who I just looked up, is currently on the Spurs staff and is not a name I knew, and it'll be him, and then we'll both just. I'll still buy you a beer. How about that? We'll be like, ah, yeah. I will buy, then okay, I buy the great. second round. So not a great bet, but that's fine. All right, the slop, I have a slop of no, the week for you. you yeah. Love it's a it. bonus one that Hit we me. didn't talk about. And it's 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 perfectly oh, dovetailing boy. from, it's more Spurs talk. Love it. It's already been out there. It is not exactly a deep cut here. It's this thing from Ramona Shelburne that Damian Lillard has, quote, deep respect for the Spurs organization. One, it's just peak NBA ridiculousness considering the wording of that tweet doesn't even reference a trade or Lillard actually wanting to yes. play for the team. It is just like a, a vague reference to his like brain function. He has a deep respect for something. I don't care, really. Uh, and then second... Everything we just talked about with Victor Wembanyama and how they're approaching him playing in summer league, the development, uh, not even putting a point guard on this team and letting Branham and Wesley do their thing and Pop wanting to stick around even though they could have easily transitioned to a different era. Why on earth would they trade for Damian Lillard? It's not happening. Well, Brennan, here's the here's the part of this that is like an evolution of this, I would say. Then we get the Dame stuff where it seems like his agent... Well, his agent actually went on the record and like talked about this. That he's like saying like I only want I Dame only wants yeah. to go to Miami. That's the only place he'll go. And he, now he's like calling mm-hmm. people, and they're like, yeah, you know, we we want to keep this. Uh, we want to have a certain. We he wants to go here. Don't trade for him. Like we've gotten into there, and I've never seen an agent go on the record and be like, yeah, uh, that's that's absolutely what we want to do, right? Like I've never seen like that be like something confirmed, and then it just makes the it makes the it makes the Spurs thing just feel like a nod to pop, right? It, that's all it makes it feel like. It just makes you. it feel like it's like, a, like it just, it's like I, I I don't know, but that's the only way I can rationalize it. And then we're just in like I mean that was always like a thing with Chris just like Paul now? too, where there was always this sort of you know it it got leaked here and there of like oh the, you know they have a mutual admiration and you know both pop and chris have always sort of imagined what it could have been like if they had been able to partner up but nobody ever thought chris paul was going to demand a trade to the freaking spurs it's the spurs as much as i was just saying will hardy should want to be there players don't demand trades to san antonio it doesn't happen especially when they're a young bad san antonio team like yes victor wimbanyama is there but okay they're not going to win a championship if that's what lillard wanted there, how much better is that team even than Portland right now? Like it's 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 goofy. Um, I don't I don't get it. Um, it's not going to happen. I, I just I love this Dame thing has become like annoying very fast. <laughs> I think is like my my through line with this. It makes me think that Kevin Durant played things. Uh, it illustrates that Durant didn't wasn't it? He didn't have the stomach to actually go full bore and we thought Damian Lillard didn't or was like too much of a nice guy for that but it's clear he's he's willing to play the game Durant Durant doesn't really have an agent he has like a manager plus he just I don't know didn't didn't want to push all the buttons to get out of Brooklyn but this is pretty much the same exact blueprint that we saw 
last year where it's like, oh, the Celtics offered this package and well, maybe Scotty Barnes could be available. You never know. Oh, Durant kind of thinks of Miami as another place he might want to go. It's like, no, it was going to be Phoenix. And it just took like eight extra months. But when these guys want to go somewhere, they end up there. That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, let's just get this done. Agreed. But I, the 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 deep respect for the Spurs organization should be a T-shirt in San Antonio. I would buy it. Homage. Make I would it happen. too. Homage. Let's let's get that done. Um, and just like I want, like I want, like uh, a snarling pop on there somewhere. All right, let's go to more summer league. Let's we're kind of done with the Spurs now. Brendan, Amen Thompson and Scoot Henderson really put on a show. Um, I want to say that I think I, I wanted to start here with Scoot. I think the up and under layup he had might be my favorite play of Summer League. I I was really blown away with the three-level scoring with him. So just damn explosive off the bat. Blowing guy guys all game. And related to Dame, actually, it's made it a good segue. Kind of happy that like he might just get to start his career with the Dame thing not hanging over his head because that just wouldn't have been particularly fair to him. And now I think he's going to get just to be himself. And wearing double zero also like kind of makes that kind of fun because Dame has to wear zero and like zero is going to be retired and double zero is a different number particularly all that stuff. But uh, he in his only summer league game so far was was really fun and just kind of he put on a show. That guy is. He's going to be a must-watch at like 10.30 at night for me, various weeknights. Uh, yeah, I mean, the games, the Trailblazers games usually start at like 11 uh, Eastern. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think that he has been poised and comfortable and in control, which is rare for a guard. I I, I, I used some of those words for Victor a minute ago, but for to say that about a 19-year-old point guard, is another level who's not seven five, you know, um, and it's it's fully true. I think that he is able to use his body to, you know, it's not even like putting guys on his back and getting them in jail like some guards are able to do. It's really just bumping them away from where he wants to be, you know, like he's gonna snake through the lane in the pick and roll, and you're not really gonna get in his way because of the power that he plays with and the ability to kind of keep his dribble. And the threat of pulling up to to shoot combined with the ability to pass. And he keeps looking for passes. I mean, that's one of the like the draft people who have written stuff and, and done videos that I have watched and, and read. Like that's what they always point to is how how long he continues to look for the the pass. He'll be fully under the basket and you think he's you know gonna go for some highlight dunk, and it's just a drop-off to the big man. And that that up and under layup you're talking about is another example. It's just you really don't know what he's going to do. And to already have that at age 19 coupled with the physical stuff is really exciting. I mean, I want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself because he's a rookie point guard and those don't always turn into something right away. But he feels like one to me that could, you know, he could be like Ja or something where from day one, he's, he's kind of driving winning. I know there's going to be a worse team around him, but I, I think we could see that. He just even just the 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 way I think he's just gonna fit with what they have to me makes a ton of sense because he's not gonna like yes the, is there some overlap between him and let's say Simons or him and Sharp if Sharp figures it out yes because they're gonna all have the ball in their hands they all kind of want to score like there's gonna be some growing pains for that trio to kind of work itself out but I don't think he's gonna like 
be like overwhelm them either because he makes a lot of great passes yeah. too. I mean, he 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 oftentimes uses his ability to get into the landing and blow by guys or be stronger than his defender, at least so far in summer league, to set up a pass to the corner for a shooter. Like he already gets that. That's a big deal for a young guard. That his understanding for his age, for his experience, is really, really impressive. Um, I want to just see them play five out with him a ton and put, you know, one of those, like him, Sharp Simons, and like, and I guess Jeremy Grant for all the money he's making, and like uh, a center, like I don't, you know, not a center that's not Yusuf Nurkic. Like that's the kind of stuff I I want to see for Portland next year. Yeah, I mean, even a even a a lob threat, you know, a vertical spacer and somebody who can be in the dunker spot. Like I think even even that, you just want a better athlete than than Nurkic. Although I think Miami's or Portland's trying to get rid of him in the Miami trade anyway. But yeah, I mean, they have Matisse Thybul. They're going to be an athletic squad, and I hope should run, just run, 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 run with all. So I have three numbers for you, and I'm going to ask you a question. It's rookie. Offensive box plus minus for three three recent similar archetype guards. John Wall, 0.0, which sounds bad, but it's not. That, that stat is often a negative for guys. So even to be neutral as a rookie is pretty solid. Derek Rose, 1.1 plus 1.1. And then John Morant plus 1.4. I think it's within reason that Scoot could kind of be in that maybe somewhere between Wall and Rose. Does that feel fair? Or do you think even better? That the, you know, we, Where John Wall is at now is obviously kind of a different thing. Um, and I think that kind of maybe complicates that a little bit for like kind of thinking about him now. But And, and even Rose to a certain extent. I mean, I, I think he is... You know, so far advanced from from where he. I I think it possible he could be higher. I'm all, I'm just that high on him. I am that high on what he's going to be, what he can be. Um, I'm really blown away by by what he is. I'm really blown away by just the physical upside. I think it's just going to translate right away. I, I think it could be higher, Brendan. I, I think this is someone that could just be immediately like a, a, a within a year, two years, whatever, is someone that is just we're thinking of just like an insanely high way. I, I, th- I don't think that's that's like out of the question yeah. for him to kind of exceed that. And Jaws a very high bar. Like that, that's an insanely high bar. So I don't know if there is is super possible. But I, I do think we're it's not unrealistic to think that this is someone that is going to exceed even guards like like a like Rose or Wall as they started out their careers. I don't I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Yeah, I mean the thing to me that's going to maybe determine it is the turnovers. Can he limit turnovers? Because none of those three yes. guys really had a jumper, right? So like that's the thing. It's like that's a little bit of a knock on Scoot. His form isn't awesome. He makes them, but that's that's always going to follow him in the G League. He he didn't really ever have a great three point shooting season. Twenty two percent, then thirty two percent. But if he can finish and he can limit turnovers and he can make teammates better, I think he'll I think he'll be right in that range of some of the better guys. To me, Wall's always been the best comp because of the the kind of physical nature to his game and the passing ability. Um yeah. and the you know, the the defensive upside. I know Wall is small for like what a guard, a good defensive guard would be now, but back then it was kind of perfect. So uh we'll see. But uh 
while uh, just real, Wall's rookie year, I just want to hit some like kind of stats for you on this. Kind of crazy in retrospect. Got handed the keys. Had a usage rate of twenty seven point three as a rookie. Had an assist percentage of thirty five point six. Assist usage ratio of one point three, which is that that's that was above average for his position of the year. That's fantastic as a rookie. Really high turnover percentage, sixteen point two. Makes sense. Young guard. Um, all that stuff. I'm I'm gonna pull this the. He the other thing with Scoop Brennan that I would say that maybe is going to be different than some of these other guys is just that he's going to come in and it's going to be it is just going to be a little bit different in terms of the quality of player he's playing with, right? Like there is going to be a big step back here. And if you go back to like even Wall, um, you know his his his, his one of his like his rookie year, it's like well, it's like Jordan Crawford, Chris Singleton, Jan Vesely, and like Kevin Seraphin. Like maybe there's a good comp there, and just that. Yeah, he had JaVale, Maybe which there was is nice, just a I'm, I'm sure, thing. for him. But other than he that, it was kind of ugly. Andre Blatch, yeah. older Richard Lewis, Nick Young. Like, flipping through these names on Cleaning the Glass, and Trevor Booker. Like, you're not getting particularly good names, um, and, and that's Nene. Remember Nene? Like, you're you're getting some weird stuff there with him, and I think you could get some of that with... with with Scoot, I mean, like, I, I don't think... Do they have another center behind... Like, they lost Drew Eubanks, who was their starting center most of this past season, and he's on the Suns now. So, no, they don't really have a backup center. I mean, I don't even know who it would be. Like, it's going to be Chris Murray minutes, and he's a rookie. It, you know, Justice Winslow is there. And Cyril Little is there. Bam. What do you think? Like, it... <laughs> and Bam for Dame, who says no? Yeah. Dame, Dame, Bam might just uh, get. They a should be the Javale McGee. His team. name is going to be. They should be who who Dallas. Oh, I love that. Here, on. <laughs> love that. It's a great. That's a great idea. Twenty minutes a game, elite vibes guy. Maybe this is where Dwight yeah, ends up. I, Maybe I, Dwight I would, makes a return. You ready? Um, I don't want that for. Shout out to Dwight for uh, the best TikTok we've ever had on the Just Basketball fans uh, TikTok page. Uh, can we talk about Amen? Yeah, a huge bummer he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I'm not going to lie to you. I considered putting him on the too good for summer league list. Okay, so, so hit me with it. I see with uh, it. some of your notes here about the scoring. Yeah. To me, it's just the physical like destruction he's going to bring on on offensive players as a as a defender. Creating turnovers out of nothing. Swallowing, dude. Like, physically, he's already the biggest guy on the court, it feels like. The most, like, explosive athlete on the court, combining his size and, and athleticism, even in Summer League, where he's supposedly kind of leveling up from overtime, where it really did look like a playground. Like, it looked like he went to a middle school and was bullying the children in some of those overtime clips. This is, he still kind of looks like that, and you combine that like we were talking about with Scoot the 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 commitment to looking for the pass, and Amen has that in a way that I just I think that was the biggest piece that people would would hype up that I was skeptical on coming out of overtime because I'm like when you can just create advantages over and over and over, and the passing windows are, even if they're creative, what you're doing, are they really going to be there for you when you're not getting? I just think 
he's going to be more athletic than anybody, no matter where he goes and no matter what league he plays in. And the IQ to then turn that into a good shot for a teammate or uh, manipulating of the defense to, to open something up. I really found myself like bummed about the Rockets offseason was honestly like, I, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here, yeah. but I was like, they didn't need to put training wheels on, on these guys. I don't think I like that. That feels like the, the ownership pressure really kind of mess, like missing what, what, what they have. I, they still have all the guys. So like they could get somewhere, but I would love to just watch what Amen and Jalen green and Jabari Smith jr. And, these guys would have just done if, if they got another season to just play. But either way, he needs minutes. He needs to play a lot because he he already has a role and he already affects winning at a high level. The thing that I, I think you're dead on about, especially, is just that I, and I think this is going to be someone that is going to fit within what Houston kind of needs to make themselves work a little bit better. If Thompson... If what Thompson is doing in Summer League carries over, he's going to be additive for Jalen Green. He's going to be additive for, additive for Jabari Smith. He's going to be additive for whomever for Alperin Sangoon. You know, I you know, Fred Van Vliet, I think will will be a nice mentor for him to kind of help him kind of navigate some of this stuff as well. And there's not going to be all the pressure in the world for him to be that piece, which is why like I still like the Fred thing. You know, I don't know what this means for Dylan Brooks. I think Dylan Brooks is probably just going to shoot as many shots as Dylan Brooks feels like he wants to take, particularly now that he's getting even more money, which which is which is wild. But I think we're in a spot with with Thompson where he is just going to be additive, and then you you look at him in his frame and his ability to drive and get to the rim. And if teams just are like lazy against him, or he gets a a, a lesser guy or whatever, he's going to be able to punish them from day one. It feels like that's a huge coup for Houston just to have like a functional thing i i still don't think brandon they're going to be very good next year but thompson absolutely feels like he's going to be a part of a team that actually is watchable next season they're the most athletic team in the league and i don't think we've seen a player like Amen thompson in the nba before like russ was a common comp when you would read draft stuff or kind of hear the the people who've really watched this guy and obviously like bigger bigger yeah exactly and like I mean, nobody nobody deserves at age 19 the comp of the relentlessness and like scoring ability that Russ has. And like and like Russ, like look, for all the times we can make fun of him and, and all that stuff, like won an MVP, had like some insanely amazing peak years, even as recently when he was in DC, like played at all NBA level. Like that's that's a Hall yeah. of Famer. That's that's one of the best of his yeah, generation. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even if you're just looking at the UCLA version, I just think there was a a version of of how yeah. hard he played that's just almost impossible to replicate. So I'm not going to say Amen is is that. That's generational kind of energy and motor that that Russ brings. But I think he reads the game better. And again, he has that size. So like I I I do. I really just think like there are going to be nights where the young guys just win them games. I, I really like, I, I still like Jalen green. I think getting less of a role for Kevin Porter is smart, but I, I'm excited about Houston in large part because of this guy. Um, and a couple dudes who are on my too good for summer league all-stars. If you want to transition there. All right. So yeah. Uh, one, one, just one other thing on, on, Amen. 
I don't think I realized how big he like I I said bigger. I really don't know if I realized how big he was and what that's going to lock for him just because the fact that he's six seven and listed at two twelve and he just plays that he plays that size. He plays up mm-hmm. to that size, and that's that's I, I love when guys play up to their strength like that. It's it, it there's just such so a physicality to his game. Too good. It's really crazy how yeah. much he just embraces content. He just he plays basketball like a running back. You know what I mean? Or like a free safety. Like he he just he's he's unlike any of the other people he's going to be competing against. And I like watching him in summer league. It's like, oh, and even in the NBA, not just in that weird thing they're doing in Atlanta where everything is social media content, but also in the NBA, he's going to be like have that advantage. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, okay. I did it as like a real lineup. So guards and forwards and bigs. Okay. Um, so you're traditionalist, got it. Yeah, cool. the, the NBA doing positionless stuff is really just wrong. And I, I want to I wanna bring the game back to the sanctity that it used to have. No, I, I just wanted to represent different groups of guys. So my two good for summer league all-stars. Guard, starting guard, Ochai Abaji. Dude won a championship at Kansas. Yeah. Played well down the stretch last year. And then it already scored like 20, 30 points in his first game. He was only like 8 of 18 from the field, missed some threes, but we don't need to see Ochai Baji at, at Summer League. He, uh, he, I think he could play minutes as like the ninth guy in a playoff team next year. I mean, Christian Brown did, you know. Why can't, why can't his teammate? I think they're, they're pretty similar in that they can just do the little stuff to affect winning already. Yeah. Uh, Tony, t- Tony Jones, by the way, had a tweet. That's it. That was uh it was safe to say that like and this was the game Abaji played that this was the best Utah Jazz summer league performance since Donovan Mitchell in two thousand. Yeah. So there you 17. go. What didn't Mitchell score like fifty? So far distant second, yeah. but still still a second. Second guard, he's more of a wing. Marjan Bochamp for Milwaukee. Mm, that's a good sign for Milwaukee. That's a good thing for Milwaukee. He's really good. And he, he he's grown into his frame a lot. He was really thin. Um, I, part of this is I watched him closely cause he played the Suns, but he's very good. He, 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 he was good in both games. He can just score on anybody in this environment and it's not really fair cause his body's just more developed than the rest of them. Starting forward, Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what are we doing? He had a really good answer. I don't know. Did you see the answer he gave about why he came? He talked to. No, I. He talked I about how it's like it's reps, not. and he's like, my rookie season was far from like proving everything I have to give. So why would I turn down an opportunity to like keep playing with my teammates and just improve? Like I was not elite as a rookie, so I, you know, I didn't earn that. Whatever. I'm like, okay, I appreciate the perspective, but maybe, uh, maybe Houston should have known better, even if Jabari was game for it. Number four is a rookie. Can you guess? It's not Amen Thompson. I mean, is it's it not Scoot? Scoot? No. Is it, is it Victor? Is it Victor <laughs> no, That's true. It's Jerris Walker. Oh, okay. That's there was like a bunch of highlight reels from the nerdiest people I follow on NBA Twitter of his defensive. Okay. It's all on YouTube too. Like the ones where it just shows all the blocks and rebounds and stuff. The amount of athletic plays that this guy was doing to just extinguish possessions as a shot blocker and offensive rebounds and freak dunks and whatever. He's another one very similar to Amen Thompson where it's like, okay, like you're pretty athletic at Houston, but like, can we see it? And then he's like, yeah, you can see it. Here you go. And then 
Okay. I, that Pacers seems going to be a very fun team. And then last but not least, uh, yeah, they are. <laughs> no, that's it. You I agree. Just can't wait to watch. I, 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 I am so excited to watch the Indiana Pacers. Like very, very, very excited. Uh, very, very, very excited. Last one, also Houston Rocket, Tari Eason. Okay. He was yeah. I we didn't talk about him within the Rocket stuff, but I love him and I am higher on him in to some degree than some of the other young guys. I I am in love with Tari Eason. I'm love. glad that they got him because he kind of fills what KJ Martin was doing a little bit for them, and they just botched the entire KJ Martin thing. Of seems like they pissed him off somehow. He always wanted to be traded, and then they dealt him for like two second round picks to the Clippers when I think he is much better than two second round picks. He already makes threes and he's athletic. But Tari Eason feels like a good good yeah. replacement there. So, um, he he the way he and Jabari were combining in this Sunday game to just devastate Detroit was it really did feel unfair and it's like let those guys go back to Houston like they don't need to be here or let them party in Vegas make them stop they don't have like stop making them play basketball basically well at least Tar Easton is is 21 or 20 he's 22 so he uh he can legally enjoy himself uh Jabari Smith 20 years well, old yeah I would never advocate for such a thing but you know also I would no 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 never you know never underage drink what's that all right, that was it. That's the starting five. Can I? Can I, I just want to say I pulled up the Rockets. I, I'm going to talk myself into watching the Rockets next year, just looking at the names on the roster because I'm running down it, and I'm just like, I like. I still probably I own some Jalen Green stock to some degree. I really like Tar Eason. I'm, I I said a lot in these things about Jock Landale on this podcast. So he got a lot of money. Good for him. Um, Sengun's going to throw crazy passes. Fred Van Vliet's awesome. Alman Thompson's awesome. Cam Whitmore's done some interesting things in summer league as well. I mean, he's played. He's played physically. That guy looked like a freaking. I mean, just imagine tank. like this lineup from an athletic standpoint: Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith Jr., Cam Whitmore, and Tari Eason, just as an example. And there's like other options that I didn't even say. Yeah. Filthy. Yeah, but even even just something that would work. It's like it's like Fred Amen. Jalen Green, uh, Tari Eason, and Sangoon. Yeah. Sign me up. I don't know what that team's doing defensively, but yeah, I will watch that's them. That's the funniest on part of this whole thing is sure. it's like they're freak athletes and then Shangoon. <laughs> and then there's <laughs> that guy who's seven feet tall and yeah, you know, not an athlete. How 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 long until like we go on like the Rockets subreddit and people are like, you know, like why is Emay playing Jock Lando over over uh I'm very fascinated to see if Emay was in on the let's spend a bunch of money on random dudes plan or if he just sort of disregards salaries and and plays his guys. Cause I could see that version of events for sure. Him, him knowing his intensity and knowing like Dylan Brooks' intensity, I'm I'm quite fascinated by a lot of this. This is going to be this is a science experiment organized by DeWan Tillman Fertitta, uh, Brendan. We're gonna well we're gonna save we're gonna push the Cooper flag stuff to next week. We'll we have about three years to talk about. Cooper we have a format flag. now. Well, but like I I don't know I like we're us getting into the grassroots a little bit. And again, his name sounds like a cowboy, so I'm I'm really and he sounds like if like. If um like honestly, he sounds like if Wes Anderson made a western, Cooper Flag would be the protagonist of that movie. That's probably true. Better name Cooper Flag or Chet Holmgren? Cooper Flag. Cooper Flag could be like the star of like a cowboy western, or he could be like a fictionalized like Medal of Honor winner in a World War yes. II movie. 
Do you want to talk DeJounte then? Who like runs for... Yeah, we're going to okay. do DeJounte. We're going to do the playing tournament um, when we come back later this week. Because the playing tournament format's like kind of funky. And like I, I generally... St- Brandon, I don't know what to think about that. And so I want to like ask you what you think about that. Because it doesn't make sense. So DeJounte Murray, four years, $111 million guaranteed. Could be worth up to as much as $120 million. I want to start with this angle on it. This is one of those deals. This is one of those deals that I think is both good for the team and I think good for the player and that I think the player probably could have maybe gone out and sought some more money in the open market. But he also got like a very good deal to, to stay in Atlanta. It locks him up on security for his age, for where he's at. You know, the cap's going to go up. Maybe he he's not going to hunt that, which probably costs him some in the short term. But I like the deal for both sides. I still think him and Trey didn't totally figure out how to play together. But I think Quinn Snyder will fix a lot of that. I think it already kind of got a little better towards the end of last year. But I, I like this deal for them as something you kind of had to do if you're going to trade for him. Either got to trade him again to get some stuff back or sign him and do like this. I think this is a pretty good value for DeJounte Murray. It's good value for sure. I think a lot of people didn't expect him to take it, which always tells you it's a win for the team. <laughs> I, Yeah, I and not. so it, this is the most I they could not. offer him because of the extension rules. And I'm skeptical of him as a player. I'm skeptical of him as a fit next to Trey, but... I appreciate a player who now twice has had a comfortable environment and taken a a value contract for the team to, you know, just take the money and and continue to be somewhere that they're comfortable. And so that gives me optimism. If he's willingly choosing to not enter free agency next year, that he believes in what Quinn Snyder and and Trey Young can, can kind of do with him, you know, like it, it at least means he's not unhappy, I would assume. So that gives me some optimism because we did only see it with Quinn for a few weeks, basically. But I mean, this is a dude who had a 0.0 defensive box plus minus last year and a negative 0.4 defensive estimated plus minus from dunks and threes. He has that long wingspan and everything, but I don't think of him as a game breaking defender. And he's been no, and he's, he's been not. pretty below average efficiency wise his whole career as a scorer. So. To me, the Trey DeJounte pairing has a lot to prove in year two. Like, I think that's just pretty undeniable. And, like, this past year, he had the highest three-point rate of his career, but only shot 34%, only 32% on catch and shoot, only 38% on wide open threes. And it, like, I remember a lot of hype from Atlanta at the beginning of last season that they were kind of playing off each other in creative ways, and then it feels like it just evolved into Trey ball by the end, you know? and your turn, my turn stuff. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see if Quinn Snyder can do what he did for various players throughout his time in Utah for these two guys. Cause it doesn't feel like their natural predisposition is to play Quinn ball. No, I mean, Trey specifically, and I, I still don't think we know what the right perfect fit with Trey is based on how he's played up to date. And it's going to be out of, I think it's on Quinn to coax that out of him. I think is, is the tricky part. Um, you know, there, there's there's reporting out there that would tell you. Well, let me restart that. There is a lot of there. There's enough out there that makes me think that Quinn Snyder has a pretty good say in what the organization is doing. That's part probably partly why he has this job, and he didn't wait for a team in the off season to to go get him or for the Spurs job, right? 
he and he is he feels like someone that if he could push Trey out of his comfort zone, he could make Trey just the best version of himself. He is the kind of coach that with his principles, with what he did with Donovan Mitchell, with what he did for other guys in Utah, that I think he could really bring the best out of Trey if Trey is willing to acquiesce to some of what Quint does. And I think the same applies for DeJounte. Um, both those guys definitely have some things that aren't exactly inclined for Quinn, but that also that would also assume, Brendan, that you're getting the earlier Utah Quinn and not later Quinn that was so pick and roll heavy. So like what Quinn Snyder we get, yeah. I think plays a part in all of this in, in my mind. As well, well, so on that note, I mean, I, I, I just think DeJounte has to shoot better to fit with anybody. Cause he's not at, he's not good enough yeah. as a pick and roll, have it in the, have the ball in my hands, every possession guy to, to not well, and, be able and to you, shoot. And you have Trey. So like he's, he's, and you have Trey, so yeah. he's not going to do that. Like, there's no world where he's going to sure. get to do I that mean, stuff. Sure, I mean, I guess there is a world where he's, like, better at it than Trey, but we know that's not the reality, right? So it's like you have to be able to shoot. So that's a question. I looked at the numbers. Last year, Trey had three and a half ISOs per game, 12.7 pick and roll possessions per game. The year before, three and a half ISOs per game, 14 pick and roll possessions per game. So basically the way that that Trey was finishing possessions as an offensive player did not change much at all. Like one fewer pick and roll with DeJounte there. Not much of a change. And so I look at that. I know Quinn was only there for a bit of it. It's more of a DeJounte thing than a Quinn thing with those trends as far as what last season would have shown us. So I look at that and I look at the fact that to your point, I don't really feel like Quinn did a great job of fighting against Donovan Mitchell's worst instincts as a scorer. And I think by the end of, of those two working together, Donovan had become like a less ideal version of himself as well. And part of that's because it was like old Mike Conley next to him. And like, you know, it's always can't separate one thing from the other, but. And they had Rudy Gobert and you needed to maximize what Gobert was on offense. And how do you do that? It's when you run pick and roll with Gobert and let him dunk because he doesn't really have another offensive skill in a meaningful yeah. way. Yeah, so. I think there is a lot riding on this season. I think it's smart to just lock in the trade anyway. Um, but this roster doesn't really feel better to me after an off season. And I know that they cleared some yeah. cap and, but that really wasn't clearing that cap space was not in order to like go out and spend on something else in the future. It was mostly just to pay the guys they already have, you know, like they could maybe trade Capella or Bogdanovich or something, but I think this is kind of their team. So it's going to have to be on those two just getting better. Yeah, notably on, on DeJounte last year, 34% from three, 33% the year before, 32% the year before. Uh, the only the thing that really buoyed him last year on a, a year where he shot 31% on non-corner threes was a 44% mark on corner threes. Not a huge chunk you know, of his offense is is uh, the three-point shooting. 28% of his shots last year was a career high. Yeah, 7% from the corner was a career high, but those are still really, really low numbers for, for a guy at his spot. Those are insanely low numbers for someone that is that plays the position he does in this NBA. Let's run through their depth chart. Trey, Trey Young, Patty Mills. For now. Patty Mills is DeJounte a hawk Murray, for, AJ, for <laughs> He's been on like four teams this week. Yeah. Um, get, get that jersey. I would... I would Patty Mills... Hawks really are just like the king franchise of like guy got traded here and like kind of exists for this team. Rashid, like Dwight. Carmelo, a ton of them. True, Dwight. He well, did. Dwight play. actually he like did played play. a game there. I just yeah. mean that guy. Yeah, yeah. 
I met I in the, that was the year they had those like neon. Oh, yeah, those jerseys were awful. Um, not good. A lot of bad jerseys recent years. Just and that's a whole other thing. Trey Young, Petty Mills for now. Dejounte Murray, AJ Griffin, who I, who I like. I like him as a prospect. Just showed some stuff last year. DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Sadiq Bey, who they traded for, and assuming they'll they'll pay him at some point. Jalen Johnson, who I also like at power forward, and then Clink, who I also like, but also he's coming up for a contract yeah. soon as well. Got to kind of figure that out, and then Clint Capella and Anyako Kongu, who I I think every basketball nerd you read and watch their podcast or listen to their podcast or whatever uh, loves Anyako Kongu, and I assume he to me you would assume he's gonna subsume the starting spot from Capella at, at some point, and um, he's extension eligible of, right of now. Capella. Yeah, and I I wonder how you handle that, and you should pay him to keep him. He's really good. The, the, you mentioned Brendan, you're not sure if they're better. So I want to ask it in this way. They were a playing team last year. Remember, they beat the Miami Heat in the playing tournament. Yes. But, you know, didn't did do it with the Heat. They then. also stole two games from Boston, which Is should have told a... us something about Boston, I think. Yeah, in retrospect, probably. But can't, is this team with Quinn Center for a, an offseason and a, and a training camp, which I do think matters, considering how little teams do get to practice, you know, with... Um, Bay for a training camp with with the other moves they made, just kind of where their roster is at. Some of the young guys getting another year under their belts. Can they go from playing level to a top six? Is there a world where this team is better than either Cleveland or New York? I could see them being better than the Knicks. I could also see them being, I mean, if you're talking about injuries, Cleveland is thinner. So, you know, an injury, one of their main guys, maybe that's enough. I think Atlanta's deep, which is, a benefit, you know, um, yeah. of all of that. And some of it's young guys, but, but playable young guys. I mean, to me, look, Atlanta's offense last year was ninth. Would it be shocking to you if I told you they were in the top three this upcoming season? No, Quinn. I mean, look, we, we, there are some questions about what Snyder's like philosophy mm-hmm. will be. I think that guy's, he always coaches offenses that, that whip his offenses are productive and efficient and really, really annoying. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that could be enough, right? If if they're just a top three offense and, you know, they were a bottom 10 defense, but that's probably going to happen again, especially getting younger. I mean, Sadiq Bey is their starting four. That used to be John Collins, who I think is actually like a decent defender, at least as a rim protector. So, yeah, I mean, 21st in defense, let's just try to keep it there. I don't know about improvement, but like, let's let's keep it 21st and then get a top three offense. And, Maybe that's enough. I mean, I I think that there is a a clear ceiling on this team, but I could see them at least improving on last year. Where where I think they could make some noise, and at least the way it could happen is is they getting the top three in offense, like you said, Brennan. So last year they're at one six one sixteen point three per cleaning the glass. Uh, that was you know a one point like basically a point better than than league average. Top three is up at like 118. It's like three points better than league average. If they get up there, you know, that's where I think they could get competitive. The East also, I, I curious to see what the East does look like. You know, do, yeah. are the Nets, you know, are the Nets a 45-win team again? I don't think so. You know, do, are the Heat, do the Heat get day? And that will matter in this. Uh, what are the Philly. Raptors? What are the Bulls? Are the Philly, um, are the Pacers just someone we're looking at as first scan paper, but but aren't ready to take that leap yet? Does is is that still a winnable team? The the Wizards will be bad again. 
The Hornets will be bad again. I think the Pistons might be more annoying to play and more competitive night tonight, but I still think they're going to be pretty bad. Like, I, there are lots of winnable games they will get, but is it enough to springboard? Like, it's so, okay. Bucks, Celtics, 76ers, if they can kind of somewhat run it back. Cleveland, the Knicks, and the Heat would be like the teams in some order that I would put as my favorites to be in the top six for next year. Atlanta could be like seven again, but be better. That doesn't feel like an unrealistic thing to say. But they could win like 43 games and be seventh, and I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, New York had the second best offense in the NBA last year, and that just feels unsustainable to me. And they were sneaky bad on defense overall. So they're the one I would think could fall. But Miami is going to rise. So, yeah, I mean... We just, yeah. yeah, I would even think if I guess if Miami didn't get Dame at this point with their lack of depth and losing Struess and Vincent, it could get a little <laughs> weird. But I think everyone knows they're going to get him, so I'm 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 factoring that in. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, look, yeah, they, but what if it costs Bam? What if it costs Bam though, Brendan? I don't think it's going to. What if it costs Jo Jovic? I mean, That's, summer league all star. Really, he should have been on my two good team. Yeah, big. I I I. Look again, they're gonna pluck someone out of obscurity, and it's gonna Orlando be Robinson, yeah, sure. the dude. The cool. other, he scored like forty points the other night. Their center, he shot threes. He's blocking shots. Like that might be the dude. Maybe that's who can, who Portland can get now that they've seen him. Yeah, Atlanta's in a weird spot. Um, I don't envy some of the like they're in the spot too financially where like. They've done a good job of drafting like competent players, but then you have to pay them, and that when you have like some of these other big contracts, that gets really cumbersome. I do what, and you're yeah, well, yeah. Um, I mean, like they made these trades, and then they like shed. They did other trades with like Ty Ty Washington and other like guys you theoretically could have developed to like shed salary. And I kind of get that because you kind of already are deep and like have enough guys, but at the same time, like you just did the shed money. I I do wonder if I I don't know what his value would be necessarily. Center is kind of a hard value thing to gauge and like I think if a team is going to try to blow away a team for like a competent sub all-star level starting center they might try to call Cleveland first and blow them away for Jared Allen versus calling for Clint Capella because he's older and do a contract sooner but I do wonder if there's like a Capella trade they pursue to kind of give Okongu the starting lineup maybe he's consolidated with one of those forwards maybe it's Bogdanovich because he's older and has had real injury issues and if he gets hurt again like they're that I feel worse about the yeah. team for sure. I wonder if like there's a trade they try to make to kind of consolidate some of these other pieces and get and get. Well, they're still they're, they're reportedly looking really for like. a Siakam deal, um, and that's kind of still lingering. So there, that, but I, I don't it, really know if I like that. To so be let, with you. I do, but that's like it's a talent. It's a real talent bet, and it's a weird Siakam would be an interesting fit with Quinn Snyder. I don't think we have not seen a player like that play in a Quinn Snyder system. Yeah. Like, is there, and there was no, no one on, like, like, what's the, what's the closest comp the person that I thought of was Gordon Hayward, but the, f- the fact that Siakam kind of exists in, like, he wants to be at the elbow or the extended post. Like, mm-hmm. I think he plays somewhat of a similar style to, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not perfect, but that's probably the closest of like a playmaking forward. But like Derek yeah. Favors is not, yeah. <laughs> not exactly. Pascal yeah, Siakam. it's it'd, it'd be like it'd be like hey it'd be like Hayward or like of like if Joe Ingles was like doing way way more stuff and was it's like honestly probably like Horford in the Hawks days 
um, when when Quinn was an assistant under Bud. Yeah. It would probably be more like the Millsap Horford stuff back then, but we don't know how much of that was Quinn Snyder. So yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't. It's a weird fit, but it is a talent play. It's just funny to me that one of the cheaper teams in the league would go for three like close to max players as their way out of like sure. salary cap issues is like we don't want to extend our young guys instead what we'd like to do is give you know 30 year old pascal siakam like 45 million dollars all right would 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 would, would trade Dejounte and siakam as a core and let's say like they keep in a couple other young guys and, and whatnot is that enough to push them into the top six for you uh, probably would be enough to push them into the top six. You know, maybe they're better than like, they're definitely better than Brooklyn at that point. Probably pretty close to being a lock to be better than New York. Um, you know, you don't know about Philadelphia. I could maybe see that, you know, but they're in a weird spot. They, they made, they made this bed for themselves when they traded for DeJounte Murray. And we always knew it was going to be an imperfect fit. I think the owner did that and they gave up a lot of picks. So there they are. <laughs> Uh, Brad Rowland, Lockdown Hawks host. I know you're listening. Um, at least I think you are. So um, text us and, and let us know what we got right or wrong. And then we'll have, we'd like, I'd like to have Brad on and talk about Atlanta at some point, even though like, I don't want to do that to him. Um, no one knows that team better than, than Brad Rowland, the God. Brendan, I want to end on this. If you had to bet on one of Hunter, Jalen Johnson or Sadiq Bay having a breakthrough next year, who would you bet on? Um, probably between Johnson and Griffin, honestly. I think we probably missed the the window on a on a DeAndre Hunter breakout. I think I think he just kind of is what he yeah, is. I feel similarly about Sadiq Bay, although he's never yeah. really been on a good team, so maybe there's something there still. I just think like the broken out version of Sadiq Bay is probably just like a decent three and D player, whereas Griffin and Johnson can be a little more than that. They're both better athletes than either of those guys, and they have a little more versatility in their game. So I'm looking for those two. And between those two, probably Jalen Johnson, but I think that's just because he's older. Yeah, I, I'm the same way as well. I'm a little I'm a little dubious of Hunter and where he's at right now. It just hasn't happened in the way. It's like I I it's I feel like him and Patrick Williams are kind of like the prime case of guys that like have this like kind of frame and, sk- and possible skill set that teams covet and need, but it just has died. They don't play physically reason. and they're not good and, like, athletes. Has, I like, think that's the that's both of them. You know, like if you're not going to be an overwhelming athlete yeah. at that spot, you got to be able to score or do something, and they are similar. I agree. Yeah, and Hunter's Hunter's got like again, like I I I can see another team looking at Hunter at, at his size and his frame and a relatively like affordable contract as the as the cap goes up and being like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, he was twenty, he's going to be twenty six soon. Like that's still he's not kind of inching towards his prime. Change of scenery sometimes helps, but it's it's certainly a risk for a guy who um has never like totally blossomed despite being like a double digit scorer every of his career. Like it's just. Weird, weird, weird player for a weird, weird team. Um, team. <laughs> Just a weird, everything with the Atlanta Hawks, a little bit weird. All right, we're going to end there. This has been the Just Basketball Show for Monday, July 10th. If you have not already, subscribe, rate, review in your podcast platform of choice. Click the link below um, as well in our, in our bio to go buy yourself something from Homage. If you don't know, Homage makes a ton of great uh, apparel that is paying homage to our stars, our favorite things in the world. They have a ton of great NBA and WNBA products. So go click the link, buy something for yourself, a loved one, a friend, whomever, your enemy, I don't know. 
And some of that money is going to come back to us. Uh, Brennan and I will be back later this week. We're going to talk Cooper Flag and a boozer. We're going to talk about the playing tournament. And maybe we'll get some more dames to up between now and then. Who knows? Lord knows when that's going to work or not work. But until then, it's been the Just Basketball Show. Thanks again to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for producing.